Welcome once again to the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Barretos. This is episode 46. Great show coming your way. They're always good. Some are better than others. And as I always like to remind you right at the top of the program to please rate, review, leave a comment, subscribe, and share. Tell a friend about how great this podcast is and remind them that you were there from the beginning. So when it grows, as we're heading into a World Cup year 2022, you could say that you were there from the beginning. We're looking to cover every detail, lift every stone to bring you the compelling stuff. And I can assure you, with the game between the United States, or I should say Canada and the United States, coming your way January 30th in Hamilton, Ontario, I wanted to be the first to hype it up because, as you will find out in the next couple days or weeks, this is going to get huge. I can see it already. I'm hoping to be there. My plans are to set that up here. I hope Hamilton's ready for everyone because I think everyone's going to want to be there because of the event, because it's Canada, because it's cold. So we will talk to Kaylin Kyle, friend of mine, who is doing great work with BN Sports and also with Paramount Plus covering the Canadian national team, also a former Canadian women's player, bronze medalist in the 2012 Olympics. We'll talk about the rise of Canadian football. What's it like to be Canadian? What are the perceptions that we have to consider because we are neighbors, but we know we don't know enough about each other. All that as well as about what's it like to get in this industry. I'd like to think this is a podcast where if you're new to the business, you can tune in and we can give you some tips on how to get better. It's very tough, as Kaylin will touch on, but hopefully we can prepare you for that plight because we don't want to discourage you from getting into soccer or sports. We just want to let you know to be ready so you can uh, be, you, you, whatever they throw your way, you'll be ready to take it. In uh, stoppage time, yeah, it's back. We'll be talking about the Biennial World Cup. Some news as lines are being drawn in the world of football between UEFA and Comebol and the rest of the world. Why the rest of the world, we've got to kind of lock our arms and push back a little bit. And maybe a Biennial World Cup is the best way to do it. We'll get into that. We'll talk a little bit about the world's game as we wrap up 2021. I can't believe we made it through. And I'll tell you a little bit about next week. We're going to have an award show for the Soccer OG, so stay tuned for that. Let's get it going. All right, we are reaching the end of 2021. I can't believe it. We did it. A year that flew by. A lot has happened and things are going to keep changing as we have seen COVID does not want to go away. And I have a prediction. I'm recording this on a Sunday, but I'm I'm pretty confident that we're going to get news that Boxing Day, where the English Premier League has a full docket of games, is going to get postponed in some way. Half of the games were postponed this weekend. Many managers like Thomas Tuchel felt like their games should have been postponed the numbers are going through the roof, especially in these countries in the colder climates. In Europe, we always look uh, as a map right from the very beginning when COVID started, how it goes through Europe because it comes to our doorstep here in North America shortly thereafter. So it would be naive to think that that is, you know, even though the numbers here are crazy and I wish I wouldn't have to talk about COVID, but it's going to affect the sport. And I, I am anticipating Boxing Day will be taken off the board and we're gonna have to spend it with our family all that time we said we're gonna sit there and watch football all day now we have to sit there and do some arts and crafts with our family i'm not complaining i'm not complaining but it's prepare for it prepare for it and make sure you do it full steam and adjust so we're gonna have a nice little program kayla and kyle joining us in the business and i always want to remind our friends in canada and i know you're tuning in that this is a podcast for you. This should be the first podcast you check in because we care about you. And we're going to have great guests to accommodate you. Kaylin, former Canadian international, some really interesting perspectives. as we get ready for this game on January the 30th. And I think it's going to, I don't think, I know it's going to be huge. So we talk about it now, but as we get closer, you will see. Everyone's going to want to be in Hamilton. And many years from now, they'll all say, 
Do you remember that game in Hamilton? I had the interview with Kayla. She has some interesting perspective about the venue, but that's all part of the interesting fact and why I find it so compelling that Canada is good now because so many times in World Cup qualifying, you talked about the U.S. going to Central America, playing at the Azteca, these challenges. Well, now you have a new set of challenges, going to Canada. And Mexico knows what that's like. And all these countries now, because Canada's not going anywhere. And it's good for CONCACAF. I'm pulling for Canada because I know in that 2022 World Cup and USA, Mexico, and Canada, I'm pretty confident, will all make it. They all have a shot of making the round of 16. They're all good enough, especially at a World Cup where I think the playing field is going to be balanced a bit. And that's an interesting conversation, by the way, as we look into stoppage time where I'll talk about this biennial World Cup and you see the lines are being drawn between UEFA Comebol and the rest of the world. UEFA and Comebol have all the cards, but we, CONCACAF, Africa, Asia, Oceania, we have some power here and we should be ready to push back because you can't have a World Cup without us, right? So we will talk about all of that. Some things that we have, I mentioned the Boxing Day and hate to start on a very somber note. USA, Bosnia and Herzegovina. Check out my YouTube under Max Bretos. I will have a full recap about that game and I will put a bow on the 2021 year for the US. We'll have some awards to give next week, so stay tuned for that. Uh, you know, we can't really talk too much about that game. It really didn't provide much. We knew that in advance, but there were some interesting developments, and it's all part of a process, which I think is the bigger story here. Also, check out the Soccer OG podcast. Always tune in to hear one that you haven't heard in the past. The one with Eric Winalda last week was very well received. Eric was viral this week because of his comments after that USA game saying the guys, they just don't respect their fans. They don't have that feeling to entertain everyone. And there's some truth to what he said. And I know it was picked up by a lot of people and Eric's getting a lot of pushback, but Eric's very honest. I know what he's trying to say. And he's very honest. So check out the Eric Winalda Soccer OG podcast last week. And I, it's, I, I, I should have had him on this week. After those comments, we've had more to talk about with, with Eric, you could talk about all day. And listen, he's a great resource. Many people think he's crazy. Many people think I'm crazy. But we're crazy like a fox. So treat us with respect. <laughs> so a lot there for the Soccer OG fandom. And look, you were here from the beginning. You get all this good stuff. And we're moving forward, certainly to January 30th in Canada. So what happened this week of notes? Well... We talk about the English Premier League and Christian Pulisic. He uh, got another 90 minutes. That's basically how we gauge him these days. How many minutes did he play? Came close to scoring a goal in a scoreless game against Wolves. That game was awful. They tried to postpone it because of some COVID concerns and injury concerns, which are two different things for Thomas Tuchel and Chelsea, who have really hit a wall here. As I, as I was telling you they were going to, it's just not sustainable. And being decimated with injuries is one thing. But let's remember, Chelsea have the deepest roster or one of the deepest rosters in the Premier League. So it's hard to feel sorry for them when all these clubs are going through the same thing. And they have half the roster of talent that Chelsea has. So no one's going to feel sorry for Chelsea. Pulisic played the number nine again. And he's a winger. We need to see him play as a winger. But minutes are good. I don't know what his future is going to look like. I don't think he's going to move in January, but Chelsea are going to be one of the most active teams in that market. They have to be. They really have to react here to make sure they get some trophies because the Premier League race is slipping away. It's probably out of their reach, I think, because Manchester City are just too good and Liverpool's in between those two. But they have to prepare for a good Champions League campaign as well. But where does that leave Christian Pulisic? By the way, that game against Wolves, I couldn't even, I was watching it and there was this fog over and I couldn't see what was going on. It was very difficult. This was a weird weekend to watch games because the Premier League was cut in half. Interesting Barcelona game where they were up two zip and then they blew the lead and they pulled it out late, which was good for Xavi. Although a lot of concerns about that club still. Italy, Germany, eh, kind of business as usual. Nice win for Roma. Nice win for Roma as they beat Atalanta in their place. You know, So I give Jose Mourinho a lot of criticism, but he answered the bell here, and that was a huge win for him. And it's nice to see him happy. 
So a lot of this stuff all happening and we move forward now into a bit of a dry spell, Europe and here, but do not fret. There'll be a lot to talk about as we get things going on the Soccer OG coming up in the business and Kale and Kyle stick around for stoppage time. I think it's going to be pretty interesting as we discuss the Biennial World Cup and the lines being drawn between the federations in world football. This is the Soccer OG. Welcome back here to the Soccer OG. We're in the business end and we're with former Canadian midfielder, now industry presenter extraordinaire. You're doing it all here, Kaylin. Don't laugh at me. You know it's true. I'm new. I'm still new to the industry. What do you think of it so far? I mean, I'm, I'm always intrigued about when you, you get into it because it's very intimidating. There's, especially in soccer, there's so many avenues and arteries in here, but and you've, you've still got to find your sweet spot. But I mean, how has it been for you? Yeah, um, I know this is going to sound crazy and you're going to be like, I want to have what she's drinking. I am on my holiday season. Like, I don't just have skis on the background uh, in my home for a reason. Uh, we are in Montana. Um, but yeah, it was like, I wouldn't say an easy transition and I don't think I have a sweet spot. I think the biggest thing I've learned is like learning from people around me. And I think I have been so blessed, um, getting the opportunity with BN because I think if I would have started out with any other, other network, I would just been a small fish in a, in a big pond. Um, and with BN, it literally allowed me to grow in every avenue. So I can host, I can color commentate, I can, um, pitch side reporter, I can studio analyst, like I can literally do it all on both the male and female side now. And it was because of BN just being like, look, we have faith in you. You know what you're talking about now. Obviously it's like the transition of, um, figuring out like La Liga and knowing like how to pronounce names and, you know, transfers. And, and I, I'll be the first one to say that, like just the transfers and stuff like that. It was definitely something that I had to progress and learn on, but tactics, I know them inside and out. So it, that doesn't change throughout any league. Um, and now I'm like really proud to say I'm literally the only female in North America that can do that. So I definitely have like work to do and I'm completely fine with that. Um, but I'm, I've, I've surrounded myself with like amazing people in the industry, like yourself, um, included. I'm not just saying that to give you props, but <laughs> that's, that's, that's the only reason you're on here, Kaylin, to give yeah. me props, just so you're abundantly clear. This is that's all what, self-serving. This is therapy for me. That's what you paid me for, right? Yeah, that's what I thought the email said. So yeah, I'll just give you my Venmo after. But no, I think that's the best thing. I think if you can be open to learning from other people in the industry, even if it's little things, like just listening to like the smallest things where you think, uh, maybe this won't benefit me in the future. I think it always comes around full circle. And there's a point in your career where you're like, oh, I remember like, Andres Cordero told me this, or Ray Hudson told me that, or even my husband and my, my father-in-law listening to games, like the little things, well, they'll like text me in the middle of like an international map where I'm calling. They'll be like, did you see this movement? And I'm like, Oh, sh like, nice. am I allowed to swear your podcast? Yeah. No, yes. You're allowed to I'll swear words after that. I have to edit it out. That's my rule of thumb. You get <laughs> no, two. But where I'm like, where I'm like, Oh shoot. Like, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I saw that, but I'm like, I didn't like, I don't know. It's just, it's really, really cool. So um definitely still learning and still growing. I'm still very new, but I'm still like, you know, just taking everything in. And I'm anytime I get like a gig, I'm like, Oh my God. Like I sound knowing probably on social media. I'm like, Oh my God, best day ever. But it, it really is like, I genuinely love what I do. So listen, if you get a gig, you are contractually obligated to announce it on Twitter if you win an award, well, you're or, not, and I though. do it no, all the time. You're not. No, if you're supposed to, because Kaylin, what what it does is a uh, it does alert alert people of what you're doing, and I know for a fact that it is people take notice of that. People are on Twitter and they're seeing. So I would, if anything, if you get a new gig, no, yeah, that I do the same thing. If I get like I I, I finally won an Emmy award for LAFC. I don't know how. I, sorry, I, what I was that? You sorry, what did you win? An Emmy award. Oh, what is, Wait, what, is that important? Is that, no, is that, but, that something okay. important? <laughs> I'll be upfront with you. I haven't won anything in my career, but I've had a very fruitful career, which I'm very appreciative yeah, yeah, of. Yeah, and of no course. one's giving me an award. I'm like, screw these awards. And then something happened, yada, yada. And then we got it. And I'm like, great. Did, was it, was this the, was this my best work? Probably not, but I got it for this. And I go, you better believe I'm, I'm sending a tweet out and an Instagram post with my, <laughs> the thing. And I'm gonna go, hey, look at this. And the outpouring is great. And I'm like, all right, 
people know it's out there. So if you, if I ever got an Emmy, I literally would probably post it for about three months straight. So I do like, another post. 100%. I would be like posting and reposting my stuff. Listen, and, and Kaylin, I, I, so this, to, for me and my pod, I want it to be something that people can learn and learn about how to, in this business to get along. But it's like, just let people know what you're doing in Twitter. It gets amplified. So you'd be crazy not to do it. And if, if it happens, unless it gets to a point where you're getting so much work, you're like, All right, you know what? <laughs> Let's skip this. one. I wouldn't stop. I go, hey. No, I know. I know. I just feel like people are like, oh, my God, she's so annoying. Because I, I just started hockey, which I was like, oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I always have loved hockey. I know enough about it. But, like, people will be like, oh, like, you're actually, like, good. And I'm like, I don't know if that's, like, a backhanded compliment. Wait, you're, call- like, you're, you're broadcasting? You're calling hockey? You're analyzing hockey? Yeah, I'm, analy- I'm an analyst uh, for ho- women's hockey in the PHF, which is an amazing, obviously, league. There's only six teams, but it's, like, it's unreal. There's obviously one Canadian team, which I'm a fan favorite of because I know a couple of the players on the team, but it's definitely, it's very similar to soccer. It's really weird. It's so similar to soccer. It's just the terminology. Like sometimes I'll be like, that was a fantastic match. And I'm like, shit, game. I meant game. I meant game. So it's like Wait, a little so nuances. You don't, yet. you don't use match in, in hockey. No, you use game. Well, I use game in soccer, quite frankly, because it's like, you're so American, though. That's so yeah, American. but I'm, I used to call match, and I used to say nil, and I go, I don't feel right saying nil. I would never use that in a normal conversation, so I'm not going to abide by that. I'm going to be normal. It's a game. Sometimes I'll say match. I say match for tennis. Oh, see, I, I say I say nil, and I definitely say match for sure. But okay. it's because maybe because I'm married to an English match, so I have to. And you maybe. guys are in the you're in the Commonwealth too in Canada. <laughs> yes, we are. Did I, I, I did I ever tell you I grew up in Australia when I was five till twelve years old? So I really got acclimated to the Commonwealth and learned a little better. And I was very oh, fond cool. of it. And it was very cool. But that was a long time ago. I mean, I don't want to tell you how long ago, but it was a long time ago. It's okay. Age is just a number. What happened to your accent then? Oh, my. it was literally beaten out of me <laughs> in one year. So this was like a typical middle school conversation. Someone would go, hey, where, where are you from? Are you from England? I go, no, I'm Australian. He goes, what? Ba, 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 ba. And then it just mysteriously disappeared after a okay. little bit. I wish I kept it. You know, it could have probably helped me in high school and college a little bit, but hey. I literally speak to my kid with an English accent because I want him to have an English accent. So my husband's like, obviously English. And I'm like, I love it. So I'm like, you're all right, mate. And my you're husband's right. like, please don't, please don't speak want, to our What you want for dinner? Some bubble and squeak, yeah. right? <laughs> Anyways, but geez, where's this podcast going? It's just, we're, 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 there's a trajectory. But I would do, I do want to say this about being sport and or sports and it's uh it's an incredible channel because it is a it reminds me i used to work at fox soccer channel we had all these leagues and now obviously being sports has seen the leagues move to other places because the marketplace is so competitive yeah but when i see it and it it it, it shows me that it's a it's really a place to grow talent and you mentioned dre cordero and mateo bonetti and ray hudson and all these folks mm-hmm. that have gone there and, and have done incredible things in this in this business because people watch that although they claim they don't turn on to be in sport exactly. and there's not enough there's not enough reach they get it and i work for channels the same way because no one got that channel but people find a way to watch it especially if it's something compelling that they want to see and in, and obviously this in, in this case you guys have league un which is very compelling yeah. But it, people do watch it despite the fact that they give you the impression they don't. So you're, yeah. that's a really good place. And it's good to see people being made whole uh, by getting that experience as opposed to someone can be coming off the street to do that. So yeah, there you exactly. go. You're in the, and you're the, in the right conveyor belt. I was and like, obviously it's like opened up so many doors and then being in Miami, obviously with inch Miami and then having the comfort of like still working with Dre and Ray and Thomas wrong. And like, it's just been really cool. I think I've been one of the very lucky ones. Now I will say in this industry, it's very like cutthroat, like, and I'm not used to that. Like I'm always, if someone's like, Hey, can you get me this email? Can you put me in contact with this person? I'm like, absolutely. Especially females. Like I want to see people do well and I want to see people thrive and like, um, I don't, for me, maybe, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm silly to think this way, but like, I think everyone's so different. Like if you're getting a job, it's because something stands out. It's not because it's like not competitive is the wrong word, but if I'm going to get hired over X, Y, and Z, it's because I have something that they don't or vice versa. So like, I would never not put, I don't know, may, I'm crazy. I'm like, cause everyone's like, what are you doing? Like, it's so competitive. I'm like, yeah, but like, there's room for everyone, like somewhere, like there's room for everyone somewhere, some way or another. 
the, the competitive aspect of it is, is people like when they say they want to get into it, I go, just be prepared because it's going, it's, it's going to, you're going to have some moments there where you're going to say, is this the right thing to do? But it, there is, there's always work. Sometimes it may be not the work you want to do, but it, it's, it bears reminding, even though people say, Hey, soccer's growing and there's all this work here. Mm-hmm. And you can get this. You've got to, you've got a, you got to look out for no, a number one, you got to look out for yourself. We yeah. have a great community of people that we work with, but you've got to make sure that you have yourself on the, and be ready for any opportunity because it could happen in, in an instant, but it's yeah. uh, the competitive I'm, nature I'm no one talks about. Yeah, I'm always a big believer as well, though. Like, good things happen to good people. And if I think you're putting out good energy into the world, like, it's always going to come back. And as long as you're putting in the work, and again, uh, people are probably like, you're full of crap. But like, I feel like if you put in the work and like you treat people with respect, even like, I, I know when I go into work, if it's like someone cleaning a bathroom, like I'm like, how are you? Thanks so much. Like, so lovely to meet you. Because I know like you never, I don't know. I i don't know. I just would never treat someone with disrespect. And maybe that's why some gigs I've definitely gotten for that reason. Someone's asked, oh, what's Kalen like? But then there's also people that are like, maybe don't like me because I have a very big personality. And I'm always like, hey, how are you? How are things going? They're like, she is so annoying. Get out of my face. But that <laughs> that's something that like I can't change. And like I will never change because that's just who I am. But yeah, I don't know. Either you either like me or you can leave me. <laughs> we're we're kindred spirits. I've been called annoying since the first day I started this, but you know what? I'm still here and I'm gonna annoy Exactly. People. You're Even doing something. Right. We're sweethearts. What can I tell you? Yeah. By the way, you ski or snowboard? Snowboard. Um I can ski, but I'm a better I'm I'm a good snowboarder. And how are the mountains in Montana? Or is that a that's another dumb Liter- question? That's a stupid question. It's lit. Well, no, actually, it's not a stupid question. It's a hidden gem here. And I don't want to say it on your podcast because it like your following's big, but like, and I want to keep it to myself. This place is amazing. And it's like not overpriced like the other places in North in um, America where you're spending like $200 for a lift ticket. It's literally $58 for a lift ticket a day. Love that. The, the snow is incredible. The runs are phenomenal. It's amazing. So, yeah. Well, it's not me that's going to ruin Montana for the masses. It's that show Yellowstone. Because I think if I heard is everyone's going there, right? My show. My favorite show. Beth is like my spirit animal. Beth I've only me. seen two episodes. So I'm still learning. So uh, I don't know Beth a lot about it. A- but I've just heard everyone now wants to move to Montana because they want that life. But they yeah. don't know about the skiing. So when I think skiing, I think obviously Colorado. I think British no. Columbia. Think, I think, no. I think, think New Mexico. Okay, but think Montana. think Montana, but don't think yeah. it. So I don't want to attract attention to you. I'd love to get out there. And I'm a skier. I'm a very pedestrian skier. I like to go down the mountain on the blues. Very chill. Oh, okay. I'm See, not we're, a hell I, I, I don't like want to break my legs. But yeah, we're not like, let's race down to the end. We're like, let's just stop, take some pictures, like have maybe a drink in the middle. Like we're not like crazy. <laughs> like we're good, but like we're like, we enjoy it. That's me too. Yeah. Anywhere I can, anywhere in the middle of a, of coming down the mountain, I can find a, a beverage or an, I'm very good at apres ski. If apres ski was an Olympic sport, yes. I'd be on the podium. Let me, me tell too. you that. I'd be like, <laughs> never mind the bronze at the Olympics. That would be gold medal, 100%. And that's, that's it. You guys, what was that, 2012? 2012, yeah. Ages I, ago. I, I want to talk. I want to talk about Canada, but that's Canadian soccer. But that's, you know, we got to reiterate because people see Kaylin Kyle and they forget this a very decorated football star gold bronze medalist yeah no it was i know i'm like i was never like the best player but i always like worked hard and i was good but anyways yeah it was um you play for the national team that means you're better than okay no it was it was a really cool moment in my career and then obviously in 2012 in the london it was like game changer like I don't know. I'm excited for like, I'll be that person when my kids are older. I'll be like, do you want to see mom's medal? And they'll be like, mom, no, you're embarrassing. I'll definitely be that mom. hundred percent. I'm okay with it. Do they say <laughs> mom in Canada or is that, or is that, is that you trying to push the, the English part onto the kids? No, that's what they just call. Them. I think maybe because like my husband, he's always like mom, dad. I don't know. That's just what they call. When them. I grew up, I call my mom, mom, because the, the years in Australia and people, are like, what? Uh, but I call her yeah, mom. No, we call, I feel like Canadians call their parents, mom, mom and dad. I don't know. Well, this is this is a good this is a good launching point because we're gonna we are I want to work into the perception of Canada from the U.S. perspective. And I want to talk about Canadian soccer football, which is it's on a rocket ship right now. And I and you know I'm excited about it because it brings so much clout to the American game because it's like USA Mexico, USA Mexico. Now it, on the men's side, now you have USA Canada, and now 
on the women's side, you have USA so powerful, and Canada comes and wins this gold medal yeah. in Tokyo. And I go, great, because to me, let's start with the women's game. To me, the biggest issue for heading into the last World Cup was that the U.S. were so good that I, I know Americans tune into the U.S. women during the World Cup because they love to see them blow people out of the water. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the, the minority that I want to see competitive games and I want to see different teams do it because it's good for the sport. So when I saw that last World Cup, I go, I don't know, this is great, but there was such a gap between the U.S. and the rest of the world that I was like, uh, we, they need some new natural rivals. They need rivals to come up and show that we're not going to sit here and take it. We're going to compete. So obviously in that Olympic game for the U.S. not to go as well, losing to Sweden and then Canada winning the gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe there's a cyclical thing involved, but it's, I'm really, I'm more excited for the next women's world cup than I would have been because of that. Do you, do you get the feeling that that gap is, is I, I'm, I'm sure it's going to close, but how much do you think it might be able to close? Could someone else pry it away? Uh, honestly, I, I don't think so. Uh, if I'm being completely honest and I know I'm Canadian and I'm so proud that they won gold, but everyone always says to me, and I'm not being like negative Nancy, like that's just not my, my spirit, but if you look at the difference between an Olympic games rather than a world cup, the best teams are at the world cup. The best teams are not at the Olympic games due to the fact that most of the teams have to qualify through a world cup, which is crazy to me. So you have France, you have Germany that weren't at the Olympic games. Would that be different? Yes. A hundred percent. It would be so. um, And again, you can maybe make the, the, the point that France usually bombs in, in big tournaments, but I just think like if you're going to a tournament, the World Cup is the best tournament in the world for the best competition because the best teams are there. Um, It's more difficult. It's a harder journey. It's a month long rather than two week tournament at the Tokyo Olympics. Now, again, not taking anything away from Canada because they were so difficult to beat. They didn't score a lot of goals, but defensively, they just made games so ugly. Um, But I just think at the U.S., like even this last fixtures um, and I think it was Australia or New Zealand they went to um, maybe like a month ago. They, he literally revamped the team with youth and inexperience and they were phenomenal. Like I just look like you look and some of the players that didn't even make the trip due to obviously not being vaccinated or whatever, just reasons of not going like a Trinity Rodman winning it with Washington this year with the NWSL and how good she is. I just think the depth in the United States is unmatched. And now yeah. that they have a good thriving league. I think it's going to be really difficult for teams to knock off the U S um, for years to come still. Um, I do think that they need to do a revamp. And again, it's no disrespect to players. I think, I don't think they did a great job in the Olympics of kind of not cleaning out, but taking more youth players to that tournament rather than the experience. And I get that you need to do that, but I think it was a good opportunity to bring more youth in than they did. Um, But I don't think he's going to make that mistake in in 2023 with the World Cup. But I I really think it's going to be the U.S. for honestly a few more years. Like two more World Cups? Just yeah, honestly, I think but that's not good. You can't no. have a team win four World Cups. It's not good I for the think, game in, in by just, and large. No, I just think that the infrastructure is so com- like so competitive compared. Now it's getting better in other in other parts of the world for sure. I mean, you look at Barcelona and how good their women's team is, but it's nothing like the United States. Like you have two really good uh, domestic teams in in Spain. Obviously, Barcelona being one of them. Um, same thing with Sweden. You look at the, the English women's league, you maybe have four teams there that are really competitive. You look at the NWSL. Now, do I think the NWSL is the best soccer to watch? No, I think tactically the, the English league is the best tactical soccer to watch and, and the Spanish league, but I think for physicality, technical, you can throw in there tactics. I think the NWSL is like second to none. And most of them are Americans or players just coming out of college. Yeah, I'm glad you said that about the uh, first, first and foremost about the, the the U.S. being still the bull of the woods, and that's not really going to change. And hopefully, it lifts up the rest of the world and the way they develop because there's money to be made. This is a sport that you can make a professional living, not only a Euro- European league, but playing in the U.S. league. Well, then, well, no? I'll pump your brakes on that. Right. Um, some, some. I a mean, long I way think- to go. Yeah, there is a long way to go. I mean, when I played, and that was only, what, six years ago, like top payment for a Canadian player was 30 grand a year. So like, it's definitely better, but like 
it's not great. Like it's not anywhere. That's why a lot of big players go over to Europe. I'm glad obviously they've taken the international allocations off for the U S so meaning that they're not capped at a certain level. So if a team wants you, they have to generate a salary for you. And now we have some big, big owners within the league, obviously Kansas city, a big one um, with the Mahomes behind that um, Seattle with Leon beyond that. But um, it's definitely still, still a long ways to go. Something else you mentioned that, which, which I, I brought up because I know ahead of the Olympics and Brazil had a Formiga and they're like celebrating. I don't know if he was like her fifth or sixth world cup. Fifth. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> let someone else have a go. I, I know it sounds, I mean, it's, it's a legendary player, but the Olympics, I always thought about it as an under 23, not across the board, but maybe it's a, an outlet for younger players to get an opportunity. And I don't want to pick on the Brazilian team, but I, when I saw that, I go, I, I, I don't know how it works. Okay? No, I don't know I, how I it just, works, but I'm I just wish. I'm going to stop you there again. I'm okay. going to stop you there again. Formiga is like, a living legend she is i think maybe the last year two years obviously age getting involved with that one of the most consistent players for brazil literally the most reliable for brazil and doesn't matter her age her number i just think it's someone that you can't leave off your roster whether you want to bring youth or inexperience it's like christine sinclair for canada she's getting to that age where like do you leave her off to bring in youth and inexperience? No, you don't. Until Christine Sinclair is ready to retire, that's someone that you just do not pull off your roster. A, for respect. B, for someone that's done so much for the game. And then C, just for someone that's been in all the big tournaments there ever has been for their national team. So um, I think Formiga is the one for Brazil. Christine Sinclair is the one for Canada. I mean, Abby Wambach was the one for America for so many years. Uh, Carly Lloyd was then the next one for America for so many years. I just think those are the players that like, as long as they want to play, they're going to be on the roster. There's not five or six of them. There's like a player a decade that can do that. And I think Formiga was definitely one of them. Fair enough. And I, and I think we the perception with how we view the women's Olympic games is much different than the men's. And maybe that's well, yeah, why. Because, well, the men's is like you get. And your, the women's is a much better product. The men's, I yeah. can't, I, I can't really get into the men's. Well, the women's, you, you do know it's a major tournament because of the yeah. participants. Mm -hmm. well and that's the thing that's the biggest difference obviously the men's it's like you get three over the age of u23 so like depending for brazil it's like neymar um marcelo but like for the women's you can there's no age restriction so it's obviously going to be a better tournament it's like another prep for a women's world cup it's your mate your two major tournaments whereas like the men's side obviously now that the champions league and women's is getting bigger and stuff like that um but like that's why the the Olympics is such a big deal because it's like two major tournaments in the female aspect where the men's it's like champions league, Europa league, um, CONCACAF champions league, uh, cup game. Like, you know, they have so many tournaments that they can be in and titles to fight for that. The women don't have that like NWSL, you have the NWSL. That's it. So like, I think that's like the biggest difference and maybe why obviously there's no restriction. I don't know why the reason, if I'm being completely honest, but I'm glad there's no restriction on it. I don't think there should be a restriction on the men's either. I think it's such a, an amazing um, honor to represent your country. And then at Olympic games, just a different feeling playing in an Olympic games. And I, I, I don't think you're going to uh, overstate that enough because we've seen it. I, I, some of the Brazilian players being able to represent it and go for that gold medal. I, I, I totally respect that. I just know that it's, there's these weird lines that cross because so if you are a good international there's on the men's side, there's so many games and competitions that you're obligated to play, or you have to do this to be able to maintain your spot on there. And then the Olympics kind of fell through the cracks a little bit. And I'm, I'm curious to see what it's going to look like. I, I think they'll come out with something that's going to be, because the players want to play that. No, everyone wants to say, do you want to live? Yeah, so you won't turn that down. Well, and that's, that's the biggest thing is like, you look at the men's side, the men's make multi millions of dollars. The women don't, the women make their money off the pitch. So an Olympic games gives you that opportunity to get huge sponsorships behind you leading into an Olympic games where the men, it's another tournament where your summer's taken away. So like their month where they're with their family and their friends and like, you know, relaxing and regenerating for their next season, they wouldn't get that if they go to the Olympic Games. So I get both sides of it. The yeah. women you're playing it because A, it's like you love playing for your national team. You make no money. You make your money in sponsorship. So it's an amazing opportunity where the men are like, I make $80,000 a week. Like I just want a month to like not think about anything. So I, I get both sides of it and it's a difficult one, but like that for me, obviously, when I was little, my one goal was like, I want to be an Olympian. And I thought it was going to be diving or gymnastics, obviously too long and lanky for both of those. But 
Um, thankfully soccer got put into the Olympics and I was lucky enough to play in it. And it was like a dream come true. But you dove and did gymnastics growing up. Yeah, I did. That must've helped you in your, in your <laughs> soccer skills. It didn't, it didn't no? whatsoever. I don't think I, I don't hated believe, diving. I don't believe you. <laughs> no, I hated diving because I hated getting my hair wet, like with chlorine and <laughs> gymnastics. I just got literally too long and lanky. Like I couldn't do the floor routines anymore. I was like, I can't do these many flips. So that's incredible. No. And yeah. in, in Canada, that is, are sports encouraged a lot? I mean, I don't think we do that enough here, but it's like when you're growing up and you're in your adolescence. Yeah. So it's, it's weird. It's been a huge shift. And that's like the number one question people ask me is like, what did like parents, how did you make it? And I think the biggest thing for me is like, I was able to do any sport I wanted. I played basketball in high school. I played volleyball. I played badminton. Um, don't laugh at me. I actually love badminton and I was amazing at it. Did diving, did gymnastics. I did so many things. Then I got to a point where, um, my provincial coach was like, you can't play any other sport than soccer. And my mom and dad were like, well, that's crazy. Like that's never happening. Like she wants to play basketball. It's great fitness. It's like different mobility. She's learning different skills and she enjoys it. And I think that's why I was such a driven person because I just love sports. And I was never been like, you look at some people now and like, parents are psycho parents are like, we need you to make it so we can live off you. And I'm like, wow. well, like it's, it's so crazy to me or like parents at games screaming at their kids. And I'm like, I said, to, like me and my husband were like, we will never be those people. His parents were like that. My parents were like that. And both of our dads played professional sports. So like, um, I think we are blessed in that aspect, but a lot of people aren't. And that's like, my one biggest thing is like, do not force your kids to play one sport. Even if someone's like- Show them a lot of sports. Yeah. See what they like everything. and let, okay. I've heard the exactly. same advice. I've, heard, I've, I've, I've gone to top athletes and I go, what's the secret? When you talk to your kids about what they should do, go introduce them to as many sports as possible. Yes. And then see what they like and then encourage that. Yeah. By the way, um, every time the Olympics roll around, I always notice Indonesia has like six medals. I'm like, what? How do they have? Badminton. They crush it's it amazing. badminton. So they get two golds, two silvers, doubles, singles. So Indonesia, we got, we need some good badminton out of North America so we can knock them down a peg or two. You know, well, I will come out of retirement <laughs> for that. Me and you doubles. Let's go. <laughs> Done. I I I, I want to talk about because January thirtieth, and it, as we get closer to this, people are going to get hyped. Uh, you're getting. I'm hyped. already hyped. I'm hyped, and it's not even January. USA Canada. This is going to be the biggest matchup in the history of these two in World Cup qualifying or otherwise. And by the way, it's in Hamilton, Ontario. What you're from Saskatchewan, correct? Mm, yeah. What, why are you nodding when you said <laughs> Hamilton? Because I'm trying to get out there and I think I'm gonna do it's it. Just, and I'm like I'm disappointed. I'm not gonna lie. It's a I'm small really, stadium. Well, our, it is. It's a stadium, but it's like I obviously the Forge play there. So that's where they play the um Canadian Premier League team. I like I just think for a match, like, I know why they're doing it. Where would you have put it? I would have put it in, like, Toronto. I would have put it in Vancouver. Now, obviously, Vancouver's, like, the turf, so I get that aspect of it. But put it in a place where it's, like, a soccer, like, a soccer-specific stadium. Montreal, like, I know Montreal doesn't hold that many people, but, like, Vancouver. But this, the Hamilton Stadium is 23,000 seats, so you can, if they're going small. But it's sold out, and it, the fans will be amazing. It's just outside of, I don't know. Like, Toronto people are going to kill me and people that live in Hamilton. <laughs> By the way, you're here care. to boost my Canadian listenership. I have a little bit, but my manager says, let's 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 do it yeah. Canadian because people are really into it. I just think if you're doing a US Canada game, put it in a big put it in a market where it's like Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto, like put it in one of those threes. They put it in Edmonton, everyone showed up. Again, it was like weird circumstances. That field's terrible. I played on it, it's horrible. Like it's, and it's it played to Canada's benefit, no. But no, but that's the thing. Like I, I was on the call for that game and like we were with like a panel and they're like, it, it doesn't play to anyone's advantage. You're Canadian. No Canadian has ever played in those circumstances. They're all <laughs> playing in Europe. So like that, everyone's like, oh, you know, the Canadian. I'm like, the, the only advantage they have is that they have the home crowd. The, the weather doesn't play any advantage. The field's terrible. It's a not a great turf pitch. So like it was interesting that they even decided to play there obviously it worked in their favor and it turned out to be an amazing game obviously the player diving into the snowbank like it was just super canadian that aspect but i would have loved to have seen it in a big market and uh people again hamilton people are going to kill me and like whatever i just i just would have loved to have seen it in vancouver open up the top bowl it's just again bad turf that's the only downfall of canada 
you it's have like to have turf. the month of January. We don't, it's freezing. So like, not, not going to grow any fescue or Kentucky yeah. bluegrass. Exactly. You either have it on turf and clothes in like BC place, which have been incredible, but it's on turf or spend the money to lay grass in there. But it's just like, I don't know. I, I'm excited. I'm dying to be there. I'm hoping I get the call to like be on the call for the game or be like pitch side or whatever, because it's going to be an amazing atmosphere. I've turned my husband Canadian, by they the are way. Good. But that, that's, <laughs> what did he say? Wait, what, I didn't hear what he say. He was singing the national anthem. Oh, wow. <laughs> Americans love the Canadian national anthem. It's They're a, like very fond of it. It's a beautiful song. It's not in my top five, but I'm very stringent, but it's probably six through 10. But Americans love the Canadian anthem. No, the, uh, the Canadian anthem is one of the best in the world. <laughs> You're saying it. It's one of the best in the world. Yeah. Uh, your your English husband, I go, I like the English anthem because it's very yeah, it's short not- and sweet. It doesn't, it goes, we're getting in it. We're getting in. We're getting out. That's it. Let's yeah. play some, let's play some football. Yeah, I love it. Uh, but uh, Hamilton's going to be, it's going to be looking, it's going to be what? It'll be freezing. When we get there, it's going to be freezing, but there's a lot of people are going to try and get there. And I think as we get closer, they're going to realize how big this game is going to be. So it's, it's going to get famous for 48 hours because I, I, people are going to be there or they're going to try to be there. And if they're not there, they're going to be disappointed that they didn't get there. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too, is like you, you look at, obviously the, the tickets are all sold out before they even went on sale. So all the pre-sale it's, it's good done. You can't get a ticket. And obviously I read a tweet or something tickets on sale on like Ticketmaster or whatever it's called, like thousands of dollars. And I'm like, what? Like this would maybe for like an NHL playoff game or the Stanley cup, you would see this, like you would never see this for Canadian men's soccer. So like, Again, it's really cool to see. And I think Canada's done a really good job. Obviously, the players that they have are unbelievable. And like you you look at all the players in all like the top leagues, David, I mean, Laren, uh, Alfonso Davies, like literally lighting it up for some of the top leagues in the world. And it, it's pretty cool to see because we've never had that before. And then obviously John Herdman played under him. It's really cool to see him be really successful because he's super humble. And like I'll text him, I'll be like, you, you killed it. And he'll be like, thanks. Like, hope you're like, he's just a genuine human being. So, um, yeah, I just love to see, and obviously we have friends on the team, like Richie Larea and Kyle Laren that are like part of our, our family. Obviously I met them through my husband and it's just really cool to see them like do so well. So it, it's, yeah, I have a soft spot. So when I'm calling the games on like CBS, I'm like, you should have a soft spot. Yeah, I can't help it. But like, anyways, they dominated Mexico. So that was like, I'm not, not playing favorites. Like Mexico just didn't play well. So, but they beat us pretty good. And I'm a little, I'm a little frightened that they're going to get the better hand of it in this game we shall see i think both these teams qualify for the world cup which is great for Conquer which is Catholic. crazy how yes. which like canada no one would have ever thought canada would be qualifying for the 2022 world cup no one and the, this is the last they will not not qualify for a world cup for the foreseeable future because i exactly. think and i'll ask you about that quickly but uh just you mentioned john herdman and you say he's very humble but one thing i like about him is when the game starts, I mean, and everyone says Canadians are so polite. And I know he's English, but Canadians are so polite. And they're like, oh, but when that game starts, they're SOBs and they'll push you. And then oh, like, yeah. what? And I'm like, that's such a great identity. And that's the difference between obviously the talent levels gone through the roof because of the guys you mentioned. And there's new young players coming through. But there's that attitude, which I'm like, yeah, they don't they, they're not here to to just fall in line and nod there is an there's an attitude am i right by saying that from the coach on down because in in the mexico game and the usa game there was a couple episodes where they pushed and then the other team whoa i think it's a bit of like like at first it was like okay we're gonna fight out games and now it's like we're good enough to be here. We are better than these teams. We have beat these teams. We have competed with these teams at some of the most difficult stadiums, Azteca. I mean, you name it. And I think now it's just like you look at these players and they're not scared anymore. Canada would always be like gritty and like fight to the end, both the male and female side, because it was like, okay, we have to be tougher because technically in ta- the talent, we can't match. So we can outwork and we can outrun and we can out tackle. But now it's like, it's a bit of swag. Like you look at Richie Larea, yeah, like getting 100%. people. You look at Laren being like, what? And what? Like Davies taking on two or three players, Buchanan being like, and? And, and that, that's really cool to see as a Canadian because you're like, holy shit, like 
we we're not scared of anyone and that's why we're in first like and that's frankly, a, that's a new sensation we yeah like, wait we're the top dog here yeah i <laughs> not love quite, it but maybe. i'm like it's not far-fetched i'm like in whatever studio i'm in and everyone's like how's canada i'm like number one in that hex like what are you like and <laughs> i have swag now and i'm like okay okay wait till they qualify and then have the swag just in case um but no it's really cool and i'm like i'm super happy for them because i obviously again we have a lot of friends on the team and then john i'm like a big supporter of he's like my second dad so it's just it's a really cool moment to be able to be like connected in that way where you're like i'm i'm proud i'm not only proud to be canadian but i'm like genuinely proud of the team once that that I'm sorry. I have a, I'm wearing a Christmas outfit. So you hear the bell. You're you good. That? You're good. And it's like, I didn't take it off. It was like a Christmas pajama and by Christmas pajamas. I'm, and it's, it's six o'clock in the Sunday afternoon anyway, but it's once you get that enthusiasm, it, that doesn't really go. And you would hope more investment and look, it's a moneymaker. If they make a world cup and within Canada, that's going to be viewed as a place where, in, you know, interest continues to build, but, how did it, I mean, how did it happen? It was one thing if you have Alfonso Davies, who's this one of a kind talent, but then Jonathan David is another one. It comes through is not just a good forward, but maybe the best forward in all of CONCACAF, according to me and many others. No, behave. He's the best. He's the no, best. He's the guy the delivers. Best. He's, a, he's but, not the best. But why do you think this happened? Why did he think where Canada was like an afterthought and in the next cycle, as it stands, they're the best team in the region. It, you, and you want to know why? It's because John Herman implements structure. Canada's never had a structure. He's never had a criteria where he's had someone implemented to be like, go overseas, see who has dual citizenship, get their scouting report of them. So he has literally a database of like, who has dual citizenship. He did it with the women's team of like, who can play for Canada, da 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 da, da. Yeah, and then he he follows up with that. And then also what he does extremely well is like, and some people are like, what he plans months out. So like going into these one-off or these uh, fixtures, like January coming up, they have three games in January. He'll already know who is starting 11 in unless there's injury. He'll already know that after the December window, which is like, well, wouldn't you want your players informed, but he has the GPS data. He has the nutritional data. He has all this data that knows when players are peaking and it's crazy. And like he even said, it's like player report homes with people saying like, this is the minutes that I need you to play in the MLS games. Obviously, if they follow them, they don't because obviously he doesn't have control over that. But it's like a guideline. And most MLS coaches are respecting that, which is really cool. But um, yeah, no, he just does an extremely good job of putting people in the right place. And then he's like one of the hardest workers that I think there is. And that's why he's so successful. He literally has outcoached every single team throughout this yeah. entire time. There's, I, I can't argue that. And I, you know, I was one of them when I heard that he moved from the Canadian women's national team to the men. So I was like, is this the right guy? You know, Canada has this talent. Can he put it under his, uh, his watch and develop it? And he has done it uh, 10 times over. I have my little, I'm having my little awards at the end. I think I might give it to him as breakthrough talent of 2021. He's been spectacular, but it's uh it's, I'm really excited for the U.S. perspective, too. I'm going to leave you with this before okay. we go, because I know Canada, we're learning a little bit more through the soccer world because we're now connected. Perception of Canada that Americans have gotten wrong that we need to fix when we perceive <laughs> Canadians. Uh, that we're nice. <laughs> don't cross us. Um, that we I learned like that from the soccer team. I go, don't go in there and think it's they're going to... Yeah. <laughs> No, um, that we love that we say a and a boot and that exactly that you um, like Nickelback. I'm sure not all Canadians like Nickelback. Oh, Nickelback's terrible. No, <laughs> we like Nickelback. Michael Bublé, yes. Um, Celine Dion, Shania Twain. Um, yeah, Canadian I don't know. Canadian music very underrated, by the way. It is. We got Biebs. Um, yeah, I feel like you know what people find. People always say Canadians are like nice. We are nice, but like don't cross us. And then people always give us like stick about tim hortons tim hortons is like the best so i feel like those two things maybe um but yeah everyone no. has their order at tim hortons is there coffee yeah. what is yours double double with some timbits it's perfect what's the donut you'd get um i always do the honey glaze timbits okay well the stadium in, in hamilton is tim hortons tim hortons. <laughs> tim hortons field so if i get there i'm gonna double up on tim hortons oh you have and we'll to get it okay cheers
Hey. Well, if I'm there, I, I will buy your Tim Hortons because it's it's very That's cheap. That's a deal. <laughs> I, look, I look forward to that. Caitlin, I appreciate you joining me on, on your vacay in Montana. Enjoy it. And we look forward to your work on being sports and Paramount with the Canadian National. I thought you knocked it out of the park in that last Thank broadcast. You. you brought a lot. And just having a conversation just to see, how, you know, you are a wealth of knowledge and we need to hear more from you. So congratulations oh, on the progress that. you've made. Cheers. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Kaylin, Kyle, okay. make sure you check her out and stick around for Stopper Time. We're going to talk about the Biennial World Cup and why it's a necessity. I'll tell you why. We are back. Time now for Stoppage Time. Before I move forward, I just want to say what a joy it is to see how Kaylin's come into her own in this role. I remember when she started, you could see she was learning a little bit on the job, but now she's very confident in her opinions. I love the fact that she stopped me a couple times and said, wait, no, I got to stop you there. And her points were very well made. It's just good. It was a good conversation. That's what we want to do here on the Soccer OG. And we want to get everyone better and more adept with regards to presenting this sport and watching it. So I appreciate her time, especially on vacation. That's big time. Stoppage time now, and there's some interesting developments with the Biennial World Cup. Lines have been drawn. So FIFA is ready to discuss a proposal at the virtual global summit. They want to get support for this project, which has been pushed back by a lot of people, supposedly globally, but UEFA and Comebol are the biggest pushback. Or, you know, they're the ones that don't want it, and I, we can understand. I'll get into that here shortly. They did have a poll, and I, I know people are very skeptical about a poll that is held by FIFA, but they had one, and you're free to have one as well if you can pull it off. It said 63% of people are open for a biennial World Cup. When I first heard about the Biennial World Cup, I rolled my eyes and I was like, well, look, the World Cup is perfect. It's the best sporting event in the world and it's not even close. So if it ain't broke, you know, you have it every four years. There is a buildup. There is a system. The qualifying's awesome. And you finish with this incredible product that never disappoints. We used to have that conversation. What's the best sporting event? Is it the Super Bowl? Is it the Olympics? It's a World Cup and it's by a huge margin. And the anticipation is a big deal. It's a big part of it. So having it two years would water it down. Two years, though, is a, is a long time. Regardless of the time, two years or four years, I've said this many times on this program, and I'll repeat it here. If you are a traditionalist, and I am one too, and you're like, no, this is the way it is. Let's keep it. We saw it with the Super League and so many other things. This is the way it is, and it's good. And it happens in every walk of life. But if you have that perspective, this is the reality. Someone else will inherit the space. And that's how the world works. Things grow. Everything grows. The World Cup went from 32, or it went from 16 teams to 32 to 48. The NFL's got seven playoff teams in 17 weeks. Everything grows. And we always go, we like it the way it used to be. The only one that doesn't change is baseball. And look what's happening to baseball. You have to adapt because someone else will jump in there if you don't. So with the Biennial World Cup and, again, the two organizations that are most against it are UEFA and Comebol because they have a good deal as it is. If you look at the history of the World Cup, going back to, what, 1930, only teams from those two regions have won it. They've tried to grow the game in other places. We hope that a team from Africa or Asia or Mexico could win it, but they haven't, and no one's really come that close, so you can see the gap. The rest of the world can't compete with those two. And UEFA and Comebol will say, no, it's going to water down the product, but look what they're doing. They are inheriting the space, and when I say that, I mean they're going to have a, a final between the winners of the Copa America and the Euros. So Italy and Argentina is going to come up in London in 2022. So that's going to be huge. They didn't invite the United States who won the Gold Cup or anyone else. And now Argentina, Brazil, and all the Comebol countries are set to join the UEFA 
UEFA Nations League. Zbigniew Boniek, it was good to hear his name. He was a stud in his playing days, and he is the uh, UEFA vice president. That'll start in 2024. So the powers are aligning, and they're going to get bigger. And I've talked about how the Euros is almost at a World Cup level. It's almost better than the World Cup in many ways. So if you're a European, you say qualifying for the Euros is as big as qualifying for the World Cup almost. It's so huge, international audience, and that's not going to happen. That's not going to change anytime soon. You can see what's happening. And UEFA, who had this competition with the Super League, because the Super League wanted to break off, and then the ones that were going to be most affected was the Champions League, which is run by UEFA. And they were able to gain some support, and the Super League was crushed. And the Super League was a terrible idea. I'm still, I'm still pretty confident that it's going to pop up again, although you need a stronger Barcelona. You need a stronger Real Madrid. The Premier League is getting so huge with all the money that's getting pumped in there. So why would the Premier League want to go into a Super League when their league is super as it stands? The money there is insane. But UEFA, you've got to be careful who you trust. The money's going to be coming from all directions. But I'm here to tell you that we have to align with FIFA here in our region. So this was a pushback. There was no doubt about it that Comebol and UEFA aligned because of this biennial World Cup. And I don't know if the biennial World Cup is going to happen. And again, I'm not sure the biennial World Cup is a great idea. But I do know this. UEFA and Comebol are going to get stronger. And while they're having these competitions, CONCACAF is going to have the Gold Cup. Africa is going to have the AFCON. For crying out loud, they're talking about canceling AFCON because the African Cup of Nations because of COVID. It very well may happen. But that's how, that's how it happened. Remember the UEFA's, the Euros, it wasn't like, oh, we're going to cancel it. They were going to happen. And maybe it's not canceled, it's postponed. But in, in this kind of era where we don't know where you can fit things in, those things are going to be hard to come about. It's such a logistical nightmare to get all these players and countries all on the same page. But Argent, uh, Comebol and UEFA are going to get stronger. The rest of the world is going to be left in the dust. How can you compete with what they are doing? The only answer to me is a biennial World Cup because that is going to bring everyone into the same form. And it's going to help grow it. So when FIFA has a poll to see who is in favor of a biennial World Cup, and 63% of the people say they are, and this was, you know, this was received with a lot of skepticism because it's FIFA, and we should have our guard up with FIFA, for crying out loud. I mean, all these things that we've dealt with, are all of a sudden we're going to trust them, but the devil that you don't know, right? So FIFA and UEFA are now competing for the top spot. And Comebol is happy to get in bed with FIFA, and I don't blame them. But what does the rest of the world have that UEFA and Comebol are going to possibly need in the big picture? And when I look at the Biennial World Cup, these are the facts. A World Cup, every when it happens every four years, that is when you see a spike in interest in places like the United States, Canada. Not so much Mexico, but certainly it, everything gets, people start spending money. There's interest in the sport. Everyone stops what they're doing. The same is happening in Asia. The same is happening in Africa. These regions don't have the uh, infrastructure that UEFA and Comebol do. And the one thing that is of value to UEFA and Comebol is the World Cup. So let's do it every two years. So we're not left out. So if they're having these competitions and the rest of the world is playing against each other and no one cares and we're not developing the sport because we're not playing against the very best competition, which is UEFA and Comebol, then we fall off the back wheel. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. So if a biennial World Cup comes up, and you live in this part of the world, you may not love it, but I think we've got to start supporting it because that brings everyone to the table because you can't have a World Cup without CONCACAF, without Asia, without Africa. Even though we have not been successful in the World Cup, if UEFA and Comebol move forward and do these games and competitions and make a ton of money, you can't call yourself the world champion unless you play the world. You can't. 
You cannot. Even though you're better, you still have to play the World Cup. So if you do it every two years, and I haven't done the research on this so much, but it's just common sense. If you do it every two years, you will engage them. You will bring them to the table. It's pretty simple, right? I see what's happening. And this is our only line of action right now, in, in my estimation. Because there's nothing that we could do that is sexy enough to bring everyone to the table. Unless you splinter off and you say, we're not going to do it. We want So everyone in these regions have to be completely on board. Even if you don't like it. Maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe. But if we have a World Cup every two years, we get to play Europe. We get to play South America. That makes a difference. It was a very interesting week. I was watching all of this. I know it's a tit for tat. And far be it for me to get in bed with FIFA. But I don't see any other discourse. So there you have it. What an incredible sport we have. Never a dull moment. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back again on the Soccer OG. Check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under Max Pretos. And as I always like to say at the end of every program, Velocity Domingo.